Hello and welcome to the Yarniacs podcast. This is episode number 190, which we're recording on Sunday, April 7th, 2019. I'm Gail. And I'm Charlene. And we're recording up at UCSC again today, the University of California at Santa Cruz, where we've recorded many times. And we usually record here when school is out of session, but the students are here today, so we're in a different part of campus and we're hoping it will be relatively quiet. Hoping it will be quiet. We're parked facing a little peak of the forest. I don't hear too many birds, but we'll see if anything comes along. Yeah, there. we were speculating there might be critters around here that keep the birds away. Yeah, because it's pretty quiet right now. Very quiet. And we had a mountain lion that was <laughs> spotted walking into our front yard the other day, which was very exciting. So there are definitely critters nearby. So what are you wearing? I am wearing, well, actually, I took it off just before we started recording, but I have been wearing all day my 5200K, which is a pattern by Suvi Simola. And you will recall that a couple of months ago, I redid this sweater. When I made it several years ago, I made it with the, I made it according to the pattern with an asymmetrical hem. And I wore it a lot when I made it. And then over the years, I haven't worn it so much, haven't worn it so much. And when I made my, I've made a couple of pullover sweaters in the last couple of years, namely the confetti sweater that I've really worn a lot and enjoyed. I realized that this one was very, very similar to confetti with the exception of that asymmetrical hem. So I decided to pull it out, re-knit it as a, um, a straight. Well, actually I did it kind of A-line, not quite as flared as the confetti because I didn't have the yarn for it, but I made it slightly A-line and now I wear it all That's the time. So awesome. <laughs> Which is wonderful because I loved the yarn. I used Tosh sock, Madeline Tosh sock yarn in the spectrum colorway. So it has all the colors in the spectrum in there. So it reads as kind of a blue purple if you squint and look at it. <laughs> but I wear it all the time. I'm very happy with it. So that is 5200K by Suvi Simola. And what are you wearing, Gail? I'm wearing the Peasy cardigan, which is a pattern by Heidi Kiermeyer. I knit mine in September of 2016, and I was copying our good friend Carol, who is Love Pie, and she knit hers in Malabrigo Arroyo Barrojas, which is exactly the same yarn I used <laughs> because hers was so cute. And this is a top-down sweater with, I think it's, oh no, it's raglan shaping. I thought it was set in sleeves, but it's raglan shaping, and it has a little bit of lace work up at the top of the yoke and it's just a really cute easy to wear top button sweater so it kind of flares open yes after the top i think yes. there are four or five buttons up here can't look down that far past my own chin but i think there are five <laughs> buttons <laughs> and it's just a super cute easy to wear sweater three quarter sleeves and just really comfortable it's it sport is. weight yarn so it's a nice layer layering piece yeah. it's not too warm and i've really enjoyed it and pulling it out made me think i need more malabrigo in my life i haven't knit with malabrigo in a while i wouldn't argue with that I who doesn't malabrigo. need a little more malabrigo in their life I know. <laughs> arroyo is the sport weight yarn and one of their favorites 
favorite bases for me is Rios. They're mm-hmm. worsted too. weight. My Feels f- so good to knit with. Oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> so anyways, that is Peasy by Heidi Kiermeyer. What are you stocking? Okay, the first thing I am stocking is a very cool blanket called Pescadero Waves, and it's by Heather Linebarger Barger, and it is made in Holst Garn Coast, and it is held doubled. Isn't that cool? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And the whole blanket is done in a feather and fan wave pattern, hence the name Pescadero, because Pescadero is a place on the coast, just up the coast from Santa Cruz, actually. It was designed by, I looked her up on Ravelry. She lives in Palo Alto. So, of course, well, not of course, but she is familiar with the Pescadero Mm -hmm. coast. So the feather and fan wave pattern is repeated for the whole blanket. It does take a lot of yarn because the coast is held double, but I think it would make such a nice light blanket. I really like this idea. And the coast yarn is so affordable. It's tempting. Well, and that would be, like you said, such a nice blanket, especially when the weather's warmer, but we have the fog in the evenings where mm-hmm. it gets chilly. It would be such a nice layer. Yeah. Such and a nice so layer. I'm thinking, I have to look at the numbers, but I'm thinking maybe what I'll do is purchase one color in a oh, cone yeah. and use w- one color throughout, throughout and then use leftovers for the stripes that's brilliant because you could collect leftovers from all of us (laughs) (laughs) so that that is what i'm thinking i don't know i may throw that idea out the window and just buy the colors that i want (laughs) too because the yarn again is very affordable well yeah you could buy one cone and then different colors for the stripes plus your own leftovers and still only spend 30 dollars probably (laughs) well maybe not that low but but it it's it would be an affordable project so i'm thinking about that i do like it it's really cute yeah pescadero waves is the name of that one blanket the second thing i am stocking and i actually added this one to my queue last month and then completely forgot to talk about it on the podcast i believe i completely forgot to talk about i can't remember talking about it it's called rusty tuku and it is by Suzanne Summer. And Gail has stocked several mm-hmm. of Suzanne Summer's sweaters before. And many of them have unusual or interesting construction. And so I have always been attracted to them for that reason. And this one does not disappoint. And Gail did, Gail started a sweater by this designer. Yes, I did. I believe that had a shawl start. Hoodie shawl cardigan, Hoodie shawl, I think is yeah. what it was called. And so it looks really cool. In the back, it looks like you're wearing a triangular shawl with the point to the back. And then the sweater kind of grows out from mm-hmm. it. And this one, in a similar fashion, has the little points almost like a shawl but they're on the shoulders on pointing pointing towards your elbow i guess you would say like coming to a point there and then it's got some stripes that are just on 
the shoulders. And then the contrast color is also used on the hem and the cuffs. The pattern page calls it modular construction, which makes me think that it's somehow constructed differently from a classic top-down sweater. Like maybe you do the shawl point first or something oh, like and that. Oh, pick it from there yeah, somehow? Yeah, okay. who knows? Yeah. I, I haven't purchased the pattern, so I can't really say. But having seen Gail knit one of her other sweaters, I'm sure the construction will be interesting, which is a good thing in my book. <laughs> yeah, and the only reason I didn't continue with that sweater, I tried it with two different color combinations and wasn't loving the combination. Right. But right. then I decided once I found the combination I liked, because I'm not always a huge fan of just open front, no closure yeah, sweaters. That's right. And this one, I think it kind of grows so that the points that come together at the bottom are would cross over, but not at the top, if I remember correctly. I'm not exactly sure, but that's why I decided not mm -hmm. to continue because I wasn't sure I would wear it. But it's yeah, a really it beautiful a style sweater. thing. Mm -hmm. But it looked fun to knit. It was fun were, to knit. Yeah. When you were making it, I was very fascinated watching it come together. And on Rusty Tuku, the sleeves appear to be drop shoulder style but i'm not sure how it all comes together mm -hmm. with the little points so it's 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 cute it's interesting the shoulder stripes and the way the colors point down the arm like i said it's very reminiscent of the shawl construction and i i like this one so yeah, it's really I may, cute yeah i may have to give this one a try. Well, if you do, let me know because I'll try her fringed shawl, which oh, I can't remember the so name cute. of. Oh, that is so cute. Yeah. That one is really cute. We talked about that just a couple episodes mm -hmm. ago, I think. But yeah, I like that one too. So that is Rusty Tuku by Suzanne Summer. And then the third thing I'm stocking is just a hat. It is called the Perfect Reversible Watch Cap by Nancy Monroe. And it is a free pattern that's available on the designer's website. And the Ravelry pattern page has a link to the designer's website. But it is just a basic ribbed cap. And you can make it long enough so that you can fold over the brim if you want a double layer to go around your forehead and ears kind of thing. It's fingering weight and it looks like it takes maybe half a skein of fingering weight unless you want it a little bit longer. So I'm, I think I'm going to try this one just because it's a basic and I think this would be a good men's cap. Mm -hmm. So I want to try this. In fact, I might cast this one on to take to the retreat next weekend. Sounds because, like it would be easy knitting. Yes, mm -hmm. it would be good retreat knitting, I think. So, androgynous, anyone could wear it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So that is reversible, perfect reversible watch cap by Nancy Monroe. How about you, Gail? What are you stocking? I also have three things on my list. <laughs> and the first one is a hat. My friend Yelena just released a new, actually, she's been releasing all sorts of patterns that are beautiful, but she released a hat recently called Candy Dot. And it is a combination of fingering and mohair silk lace held together, which mm. we know I've fallen in love with. And it has cables and it has texture and it's just really cute. And of course, it has an adorable pom-pom on the top. And it's just a super cute hat. 
I have enough of my petal colorway of silk mohair lace from Western Sky Knits left over to knit that hat. So I'm thinking it would be a really cute match to my ranunculus sweater. Mm-hmm. So that's what mm-hmm. I'm thinking. However, haven't cast it on or anything yet, but it's a really cute pattern. The second thing that I'm stocking is a result of my trip last week. I went and met my granddaughter, Olivia, spent a few days with her and my daughter, Alex, and her husband, Josh, and my mom was there also. And it was an absolutely amazing visit. Olivia is even more adorable, of course, in person (laughs) than I could have hoped. And I did post pictures of her in the Ravelry group today. So I finally am able to share pictures of her, which is super exciting. And after visiting my daughter's house, her nursery is done in bunnies and elephants. And they have a thing for bunnies, which I wasn't aware of. So (laughs) I've been stocking bunny toys. And the one that's in my queue right now is called Bunny Girl in a Dotty Dress. And it's a pattern by Julie Williams, who does beautiful toys. She has a fox, she has bears, she has bunnies, she has other animals, and she has girl versions and boy versions, and she has other patterns that are different clothes you can knit. Oh, I was going to ask if they were dressed. Oh, yes, Yes. they're dressed. (laughs) And the pattern itself comes with the bunny doll, little stuffed animal. She stands up straight, so she's not one of the floppy-legged ones. And the dress pattern. So the dress comes on and off and underneath it's little striped leggings up to the waist and then a single color from there. And then you do the head and the ears. And she also has little slipper like things on her feet. So that's all knit into the pattern. Those don't, those aren't removable, but the dress is removable and it's so cute. That is adorable. It's really cute. Make dresses for all different holidays and and she has a pattern for that she has seasonal dresses (laughs) that are so cute and they have multiple boy outfits and different shoe options and really (laughs) really cute little animals and accessories for the animals and i love that she has boy and girl and very just adorable. So that's high up in my queue and it is a worsted weight pattern, but I'm sure you could make it in any yarn to give it a different size. So smaller yarn, smaller toy at the end. And there are some really cute patterns by Susan B. Anderson. One is called bear in a bunny suit. So it's actually a bear, but it's a bunny (laughs) suit that goes on it. That's really, really cute. cute. So I'm looking at all the bunny things, not going to get one done by Easter, but that's okay. And the third thing I'm stocking, and I'm surprised you weren't stocking this also, the Olive Leaf Cardigan by the designer Ari, E-R-I. And Ruriko designed the Olive Leaf Pullover. So they know each other in real life. And they both said, let's take this Olive Leaf pattern and I'll knit a cardi, you knit a pullover. Really cute stuff. And I actually, strangely, like the cardigan better than the pullover, but Mm. I would not use it as a cardigan. I would keep most of the buttons closed most of the time, but it's really pretty. So they both took this olive leaf pattern and used it in the hem. So several inches of hem, not just the actual bind off like last inch. It's several inches at the bottom of the sweater. Mm -hmm. And then Aerie also in the cuff, she does a really cool ribbing, but it doesn't just start and then go to the end of your wrist Mm -hmm. suddenly like most sweaters do it actually grows like from a point 
mid forearm down and then becomes the full cuff. So it's actually really pretty and just a nice little design element that's different than most sweaters. Mm -hmm. So nice. it's really pretty. It's boxy but only has four inches of positive ease so it's not hugely boxy right. and it just looks really cool on her and this one's pink so that of course <laughs> drew my eye right away but it's a really really pretty sweater so it's one of the hot right nows that I almost bought the pattern while it was on sale and oh, I've already wow. been stocking my yarn cue yeah. and I have yarn yeah. that I know it would look really That's good exciting. in. Yeah, it's really cute. <laughs> if I didn't have three sweaters on the needles right, right. now, I might have purchased it. So that's what I'm stocking. The olive leaf, the olive leaf cardigan by Aerie. We would like to thank our sponsor for the month of April, Plum Deluxe. Plum Deluxe just released so many new teas. Sweet Rose, Toasted Nut Brulee, Blackberry Mojito, and they're all hand blended and fresh. Join their tea club for free shipping plus 20% off your first order. And don't forget, Mother's and Father's Day are coming up and a subscription makes a lovely gift. Visit plumdeluxe.com to fill your cup. I have been methodically going through all the tea in my cabinet that I just have a little bit left yeah. and using it all up so that I could place an order and not feel oh, bad. And very I saw good planning. Yeah. And I saw blackberry mojito. I'm like, oh yeah. Oh baby. <laughs> that sounds like it's going to be so tasty iced. It does. Oh, it does. And I had been looking on the website just to see what the new teas were because I knew that I guess I had gotten a newsletter that said they had a bunch of new teas, and I've seen they have a puer and a jasmine, both of which I'm going to try. Mm, sounds so good. Thank you, Plum Deluxe. I'm looking Thank forward you. to blackberry. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you been knitting? I'm knitting the same three things that I was working on last <laughs> episode. So sorry. Wah, wah. Kind Me of too. boring. <laughs> but the Cooperish Cowl is in my hands right now. You might remember this is the second Cooperish Cowl that I am making from the single set of the, the single gradient set that I had because I decided that the first Cooperish cowl was quite tall enough when I had made it through three of the six colors in the Dragonfly Fibers set that I have. So that works out three colors per cowl. That's fine. Yeah. So the second of the two is on the needles and I just put the third color, which will be the final color for this cowl, on the needles last night. So pretty. This one is a light gray, medium gray, and a dark gray. Very happy with the way it's coming out. And the Cooperish Cowl is a very calming, soothing, easy pattern. It's a two pattern repeat. One of the one of the rounds is just straight knit. So you only have to remember one stitch pattern really and I usually don't remember stitch patterns, but I was able to remember this one and do it without having the pattern page in front of me all the time. Nice. Yeah. And Katie just came out with a brand new cowl pattern last week, too. Oh, it's really okay. pretty. I, I can't remember if I added that one to my queue or not. So. <laughs> <laughs> but that is Cooper's Cowl by Katie Carroll. Second thing that I have been working on is my Beckett pullover sweater pattern is by Marie Green. She is the designer of the beekeeper cardigan that I knit last year. 
and really adore. And my Beckett pullover is a very basic pullover in terms of styling. It's a crew neck, top down, three quarter sleeves, and then it's got a little, little small features, personalized features, so to speak. Uh, it has a, a little twist, twisted stitch pattern down the side, but down both sides of the pullover. And let's see, did it have it? It did not have it on the raglan portion of the sweater. For some reason, I thought that it did, but it doesn't have that twisted stitch pattern there. But it's very cute, very basic, and I'm knitting it in a really light yarn from Holst. I'm using a, oh, it's called Noble. And do you like it? I blanked out on that for a minute, but so far I'm really liking it. The Noble is a cashmere wool blend. Actually, I should say wool cashmere blend because it's mostly wool. There's just a, a very, very small percentage of cashmere in it, but it does make it nice and soft. And I'm using a dark blue, a navy color, and I'm loving the way it's turning out. Yay! So, yeah. That's great. I'm going to be able to take that one with me to the retreat next weekend. Our Knockers retreat is next weekend. Knockers is, of course, well, not of course, but Knockers is the Northern California Knitters retreat that Gail and I are a part of. And I'm going to be able to take Beckett and work on the body because I passed the sleeve separation. So now it's just body in the round. Strategic knitting. Yes, that one will come with me. The O'Keefe will not come with me because that one has, as you get further and further down the body, more and more of the side panel, which is which I follow a chart for, comes into play. So I will not be taking O'Keefe with me. O'Keefe is a pattern by Bristol Ivy that I've had on the needles for a couple months now. And I haven't, I need to get back to it, of course. But I, my excuse is that for the last couple of weeks, I've been trying to gear, get, get some knitting to a place where I can take it with me on the retreat. So that was my focus to get back it to a place where I was just on the body or the sleeve, something that I can just knit in the round. And talk and yes, not mess up your exactly, knitting. Exactly. <laughs> Social knitting. Exactly. And actually the hat that I was stocking is probably going uh, to be on the needles for the retreat as well. Just don't pick a tiny needle and don't pick a dark color like I did at Stitches. Nope. And then you'll have a perfect social knitting It, it is going to be a dark color now Uh-oh. that you mentioned that, but oh well. I will persevere. Yeah, the common room at the retreat isn't really well lit at night. It's a little bit dark. It's a little dark. So yes. well, your daytime knitting, that'll be great. Yes, yeah. it'll be fine for daytime knitting because we often sit outside. Yep. So how about you? What are you knitting? Same three things as our last episode. <laughs> and as I was writing them down, I realized this is like the trifecta of designers that I'm working Ooh. on all at the same time. <laughs> a sweater by Hohi, a sweater by Vera Valimaki, and a sweater by Elizabeth Doherty. Mm-hmm. All on the n- needles at the same time. That's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. So in my hands right now is Like a Cloud by Hohi Locatelli. And Charlene knit this pattern not that long ago. Right. I loved it. I loved knitting it. Yeah, She mentioned how simple it was. And let me tell you, this is the (laughs) one of the simplest sweaters you could ever knit. You cast on, you knit down for the upper back, you pick up some sleeves, 
sorry, you pick up some stitches on one side of the cast on and work down for the right front. Then you do the opposite for the left front. Then you join in the round and you knit until it's the length you want. It has drop shoulders, so you pick up some stitches and knit your sleeves. Done. I mean, there's no shaping. There's it's a no, joy. <laughs> it's crazy how simple it is. Yeah. And the only caveat to that is that the sweater is written to have a textured pattern. Right. And I'm just doing mine in stockinette. So literally, I do not have to think. <laughs> and I hopefully will be at the point where I've joined to knit in the round by the time we leave for the retreat. So literally, I will just be doing back and forth and back mm-hmm. and forth and back and forth. Simplest Lovely. knitting ever. Yeah. And this one, I am holding two yarns together. I'm holding Madeline Tosh Tosh Lace in the Cosmic Wonder Dust colorway. And I'm holding Fidalgo Fibers Mohair Nylon Lace with it. And the mohair is a dark gray, and it does beautiful things to the Cosmic Wonder Dust, which could have been named Clown Barf because it's so (laughs) vivid and colorful. And I wasn't going to wear it by itself. So tried pairing it with this gray mohair at Charlene's suggestion. And it's beautiful. The fabric is so pretty. I mean, it's just a gorgeous, gorgeous fabric. To look at that, at your fabric, I don't, I would not guess that one of the yarns had been cream and confetti colored right it completely transformed it it really did it makes me so happy every time i pick it up and it's perfect for conference calls and phone meetings where you just your hands are working while your brain's thinking of something Mm -hmm. else perfect for that kind of knitting tv knitting social knitting read a book knitting perfect couldn't be happier with this like a cloud by hohi locatelli the other thing I'm knitting, one of the two others, is Little Bird by Vera Valley Maki, which Charlene also has already knit. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> copying in your footsteps. And that is a top-down sweater with lots of positive ease knit in lace weight yarn. And that I'm using Madeline Tosh Tosh Lace in the Coquette colorway. And that one is sections of stockinette followed by sections of lace in horizontal lines. That is really pretty really enjoying that knit. Very simple. The sections where you do lace are short. I mean, like two inches, maybe. Mm -hmm. I think it's eight pattern rows, maybe 10, not very many. And then you're back to stockinette again. So it's just enough. You're getting bored with stockinette. Oh, now I get to do something else. And that one has three-quarter length sleeves, I believe. And I'm going to do cap sleeves because that's what our friend Kim Mm -hmm. did who we saw at Stitches, and hers make is it adorable. make more of a summer sweater. Yeah. It's really, really cute. And it's so lightweight because of the lace. And last night, I picked up for the collar. So I have knit down to where you joined a knit in the round. It's just like Like a Cloud. You knit the back, then you pick up stitches to knit the left front, then the right front, and then you knit down to under the underarms, join to knit in the round. And I've gone down about three inches past there. And last night I picked up the stitches for the collar and knit on the collar because I had been trying it on and you can't really get a sense for how it fits until you knit the mm-hmm. collar. Because that makes sense. yeah, it's really open and drapey until you pick up the collar and that pulls it all in. So you can see exactly what length it is because before I knit the collar, I would have thought I'd knit two more inches of the body. 
but do the collar, mm. it pulls everything back up again, and then it gives you a better idea of how it fits. And if I recall correctly, the way she wrote it, it might have a, a, a fairly wide neckline it Is does it does i actually went down a needle size to get to a tighter up a little yeah. bit yeah i wanted i didn't want as much of a boat neck yeah so i did do that but what else did i do i think i've knit everything else to pattern i don't think any other modifications besides that i won't knit the sleeves the way she did i think what i'll do is do some twisted ribbing a little twisted ribbing cuff at mm. each sleeve to give it a finish and that's it. And I'll knit it tunic length. It's very boxy. And I was uncertain which size to knit. I didn't want it to be hugely boxy at the top. But then I second guessed myself and decided, oh, no, I better go up the next size. So I cast on for the second size. And then I added stitches to bring it up to the third size before I started the second lace row or something Perfect. i did something but now Perfect. i'm kind of wishing i hadn't oh really yeah it's really really big hmm. really big and i don't remember kim's being this big and hers was so cute on her hmm. but maybe i should show you when we go back to my house but it's pretty darn big i think maybe if i wear a belt around it when i wear it i don't know i can't imagine myself doing that though so i'm kind of wondering it's really big so it would be very drapey but it's so pretty. Yeah, so I'm loving it. That's Little Bird by Vera Valimaki. And the third one, I cast on the Cleo by Elizabeth Doherty, which Yay. Charlene and I have both knit in the past. And, oh, I love this sweater. Yeah, it, I do too. It's so funny because every time, well, every time I've tried to knit it, both times I've tried to knit it, <laughs> it just seems so intimidating because there's so much going on. There are cables and texture and a woven stitch. And it seems like, oh, there are going to be so many things to keep track of. But Elizabeth's patterns are so well written that as you're doing short rows, she's telling you exactly what each stitch should be. So as you're adding more stitches to your needles, exactly what pattern you're supposed to be using for that portion is outlined for you. If you're a sweater knitter and you've ever knit a sweater where there's shaping or extra stitches being added in a pattern... It's sometimes very difficult to do that because like a lace pattern, as your number of stitches grow, when do you start a new lace repeat? Do you start it in the mm -hmm. middle? Do you start it when there are just enough stitches yeah. and then you have a block of stockinette and it looks funny? Sometimes it's not super intuitive and sometimes it doesn't look as tailored and smart at the end as it could. But Elizabeth walks you through every single step and every single stitch. So by the time you get finished with the shaping of the shoulders, which there's a lot to pay attention to. By the time you're knitting back and forth in the pattern, it's so simple. I do it in front of the TV. I haven't messed up a single thing that I'm aware of. I don't think I have a single <laughs> missed cable or anything. And it's just a joy to knit. So I did the whole front. I've now, actually you do the back first. I've done the whole back to under the underarms. I've done the front and I'm right to the point where you join to knit in the round. But just like with Little Bird, I'm going to pick up and knit the collar before I join to knit in the round. And that's so that when I try it on, I'll be able to tell if I have enough space for the armhole shaping. And it just, again, it pulls it all up. It makes yeah. it fit you properly. And it this also is a pretty wide neck. Cleo has a more open boat neck. So I might drop a needle size from her recommended drop. And she decreases needle size as you get 
to the end of the collar. So it pulls the collar in also. And it's just a beautiful sweater. I'm so thrilled with it. And that I'm using Woolmize DK in the dark tutu colorway. So it's a very beautiful pink. It makes me happy every time I look at it. And it will be very bright when I wear it. You will not lose me in a crowd, but I can't wait to wear it over one of my white shirts. I think it's going to be really, I will look so stylish. (laughs) I'm so excited. So that is my trifecta of my favorite designers all on the needles at the same time. And again, they're all getting love. I was Mm -hmm thought it was crazy when I cast on three at a time but and it's working for it's you it's totally huh? working for me who knew I could be a polygamous knitter I didn't know I had it wow. in me but three sweaters on the needles they're all growing awesome at a nice rate and I think by the next episode I might have one of them finished so cool. my fingers crossed very good yeah so what have you finished since we last recorded well I haven't finished anything new but I somewhat finished for the second time my Zweig sweater by Caitlin Hunter. If you recall last episode, I had an interesting situation with my finished Zweig sweater where the short row section on the back of my neck was pooching out. Like really pooching out. Really pooching out. Almost like a little pocket or something <laughs> like i don't it was know supposed it to was, hold the breast yeah <laughs> <laughs> i keep trying to think of a more elegant way to describe it but the word pooch is really yeah. it. it it was like there was a pocket of fabric there yes that was completely unnecessary it was very very unless strange. you had like a lot of hair that you could put back in there <laughs> <laughs> it was very strange needless to say i had to rip that out So what I did was I took a 16-inch needle, circular needle, and went around the top of the sweater in the yoke and caught a stitch, caught caught one row of stitches on a row that would have been after the increases, except now, instead of going down, I'm going to be going up So it would have been before my decreases to go up to decrease for the ribbing around the neckline. So I'm knitting in the opposite direction, but I can catch the stitches perfectly. The stitches match up. So I caught those. I snipped very inelegantly. I did not take care to save the yarn because I had extra yarn. So I really just took scissors and snip, 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 snip was all that the way scary around. scary at all or was that liberating? It was pretty liberating. Cool. I, I felt fine because I had my stitches that I wanted caught mm-hmm. on the needle. It was actually kind of interesting because in my head, I thought it would be harder to rip going in the opposite direction. I thought it would be too. And it ended up being fairly easy. I guess the, once you have it clipped, once you've clipped the yarn, you could then pull and unravel it. And that, up. for the most part, happened when I got to the short row section. Then it was a little bit more problematic. But like I said, I wasn't trying to save the yarn. Mm-hmm. So this is, I used my scissors liberally. And <laughs> <Nice>. it didn't <laughs> take long to get ripped out and right where I wanted. So from that point, then I just attached the new yarn and I knit up towards the neck. And Excellent. I used the same numbers. I 
changed a couple of things because I think where one of the issues in the fit for me occurred was that there were so many increases happening on one row. All of you go from one section to the next section and you add so many increases on one row. So I broke that up into two rows and they were separated. They weren't right next to each other. So the increase section happened over a longer piece of fabric. And then I did not do as many short rows either. I still did a couple of short rows and I forgot to bring the sweater today to show Gail. But part of me is thinking I may still do, I may rip it out again and just not go with any short rows at all. Now you can just rip it back. Now I can just rip it. It'd be really easy to do this time. No surgery required. Right, exactly. So we'll see. I need my Gail's eye to look at it and see if it looks okay. And if it looks okay, I'll leave it. But like I said, I'm, it's so easy at this point and there are so few stitches at that neckline that it, it would be very easy to redo if I needed to take out those short rows. Yep. So that is my remade Zweig by Caitlin Hunter. And the interesting thing I should mention is that I received a couple of messages from Ravelers who had the same thing happen to them. So I am not the only one. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that information. Yes, thank you. Because, you know, I just could not figure it out. And somebody else who had had that inform who had had that experience her fix was to do exactly the same thing that i did and i think she said that she re-knit it with no short rows at all and that's that was her fix mm-hmm. so we'll see and i may do it there, yeah. i might get there yeah i think my my i only had four extra rows in total but it's still kind of well we'll see You'll have to yeah, be the judge of that. Yeah. <laughs> and then somebody else sent me a link to a YouTube video that had an instructor talking about how to fit the yoke of sweaters to personalize it to your own Oh, fit. cool. Yeah, so I have to check that one out. I actually went to YouTube to look, but it ended up being a longer video than I had time to watch. So I had it, I haven't been able to watch it yet, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much to the listeners who reached out to me and shared your experiences because that was really good, helpful to hear from all of you. And also not just nice to know that I wasn't the only one yeah, I'll bet. that had the little poochie pooch. Yeah. And what have you finished, Gail? I finished a hat, another pattern by Elizabeth Doherty. It's her Fletcher hat, which I have knit for myself. And this one I knit for my friend, Melissa. Before we went to stitches, I asked her if there was anything she might want. And she said she would love another hat. And she, let's see, I've knit Fletcher twice. I knit one that I kept for myself, one that I get ended up giving to her. And that's the one she wears most of all the hats that I've given her. And she said that she would love either a gray or dark gray or black hat with cables and a bright blue or turquoise pom-pom. So at Stitches, I found some DK weight yarn by Serendipidae, which is a new to me dyer. She is the dyer who's doing the yarn for our knockers retreat this year. Every year we have a Northern California dyer dye the yarn for the retreat and Mm -hmm. she's this year's dyer and I'd never used her before. So found this sparkly dark gray tonal yarn 
And I sent a picture to Melissa and she said, perfect. So I knit the Fletcher hat for her and it's a beautiful hat that uses, I think it's called a slipped rib ribbing, which is the same ribbing that's in the Clio sweater. So I got to do those ribbings in black back to back projects. That's nice. It's yeah. It, my hands were already trained. Yeah, for it. exactly. And then that ribbing morphs into a beautiful cable pattern and it's just a beanie. It, the pattern actually has two different places where you can stop for actually three beanie, medium slouch or fuller slouch. So I just did the beanie for Melissa and then I got a beautiful bright blue pom pom on Etsy and she sent it with one of those snaps. So the snap wasn't sewn on to the pom-pom, but I sewed it on rather easily and then was able to sew the other side of the snap onto the beanie and you just snap that pom-pom right on so you can wash it and take off the pom-pom whenever you want and not ruin the pom-pom. So that was the Fletcher hat. Oh, I have a funny pom-pom story to tell too. So Lucy, our black lab, never ever touches my yarn or anything to do with my yarn. She's really good. She never messes with it. The other day, Mike sends me a picture. What does your dog have? She was carrying one of my pom-poms around in her mouth. So now one of my really nice pom-poms has dog slobber all over it. (laughs) It's no longer quite as fluffy as it used to be. Now it's kind of clumpy. Maybe you can wash it. (sighs) Rotten dog. And (laughs) it was sitting on the little table next to my desk. It had been there for weeks. She'd never gone near it. And all of a sudden this day, she just ran into my room, grabbed it, and ran back out with it in her mouth. So silly dog. But that's the only thing I finished my Fletcher hat by (laughs) Elizabeth Doherty. For our feature today, we're going to do a little talking about swatching because we had a lively interaction in our tips and techniques thread about swatching. So it seemed like a subject we've covered before and some people swatch and some people don't. But my attitude towards swatching has changed a lot and that was reflected in the thread in our Ravelry group. So the question, the overall question, I think, was, do you swatch to get gauge or do you swatch to get a fabric you like? And yeah, we've talked about the difference between the two before. And I often think that it depends on the project. And Mm -hmm. it depends how familiar you are with the yarn and how familiar you are with your own knitting is a big part of that as well. And like you said, for what are you swatching for? So in this case, she was swatching for her first adult garment. And a lot of people in the group has said that recently, which is why this seemed like a good subject to discuss. Because if you're doing your first adult garment, if it's more of a fitted garment, then gauge is really important. Mm -hmm. And if it's not as fitted, like if it's a shawl or a scarf or whatever, well, most people aren't going to swatch for that because unless you have a very finite amount of yarn and you're worried that you won't have enough yarn, then swatching isn't really necessary for something that doesn't have a fitted shape. Right. And I don't think it's surprising that many of the patterns on Ravelry that have the most projects are easier to fit garments Mm -hmm. because those are the type of garments that more people will have success with gauge wise Mm -hmm. because an easier to fit garment which 
for this situation, I'm thinking of an easier to fit garment would be something that has a lot of ease, such as a boxy type sweater, or even a shawl would be an easier to fit garment because as long as you have enough yarn for a shawl, in general, it doesn't necessarily matter if you're off half a stitch or one stitch per inch, as long as you have enough yarn to complete the project and don't care if your size changes radically, then that wouldn't be as crucial. And so similarly with an easy, an easier to fit garment that has a lot of wiggle room is going to be the type of garment that more people are successful at. Yeah, so it's and, not surprising that yeah. those are the more pop, more patterns with more projects is what I mean to say. I think you're absolutely right. And as I was knitting last night, thinking about this topic, knitting on like a cloud, I was thinking this would be that ideal sweater as a first garment because it does have a lot of ease. It doesn't have a very tight fit anywhere. So your gauge isn't as important. Mm -hmm. Of course it is important, but for like a cloud and for other sweaters like Charlene's talking about that are most often knit on Ravelry, I think it's more important to swatch for a fabric you like as opposed to swatching to get the specific gauge on the pattern. So with like a cloud, what I did is just I swatched to see what fabric I liked better. So did I like a more open fabric? Did I like a tighter fabric? I swatched with both the textured stitch in the pattern and I swatched in stockinette stitch to see which I liked better. And that gave me an idea of if I like this more open fabric and it's bigger gauge than what is called for in the pattern, I can do a little bit of math that's not intimidating. I, I can do the math and then I can decide which size to knit to give the end result that I want. And with swatching, I've, I've said this probably many, many times on the podcast, you're always going to learn something mm -hmm. from swatching, even if you don't necessarily know if you're measuring gauge right or not, if, if you, if you're still learning how to do that and you need help for that portion of your swatch, you'll, you are still going to learn something from knitting a swatch. You're going to learn if you like knitting with that yarn or not. You're going to like, you're going to learn if you like knitting that yarn with those size needles. You're going to learn if your hands like holding mm -hmm. the yarn and needle combo. You're going to learn, for example, if there's a knot five feet into your, your skein, you're, you're going to learn something. You're going to learn when you wash that swatch, the way that you will wash your finished piece or your finished garment. You will learn if the yarn bleeds a little bit, for example, there, there's always something to be learned. I think, always something to be learned. Yeah. And my, I think a great example of that just recently was my swatching for my Clio sweater. Yes. I swatched yes. with four different yes. yarns before I got a texture that I liked. And I would consider myself a pretty experienced knitter. And why did you keep going with different yarns? And that was because what I had pictured in my mind's eye as a good combination of yarn and pattern, and this pattern again is cables and texture, there's no stockinette in the entire sweater, I thought would look really good in these textures and cables. However, when I swatched in those fabric, in those pattern stitches, the 
texture didn't pop in the yarn. Mm-hmm. One yarn was really rustic. One yarn combination just still was kind of flat with the texture. And the th- all three of them just did not give the pop that I wanted. Mm-hmm. So it took me days. I probably swatched for a week in between other projects before I finally found a pattern combination with needles and yarn and texture that I liked. I, so, I think that's really important because you can go out and shop for a yarn that's the right color and the right on paper might be the right stitches per inch, but there might be some other factor that makes it not work with cables, for example. Perhaps the yarn has a different structure or the yarn isn't round enough or the yarn is chain plied and that doesn't work. There could be lots of reasons beyond the number of stitches per inch that you're getting that a yarn may not necessarily work for a pattern. Yeah. And I think to me now, having been a knitter for so many years, that is the value of swatching for me. Mm -hmm. I think that I can generally pick a needle size and get the quote right gauge. And I'm a loose knitter. So I know I have to drop a needle size or two. That's just what I do when I'm swatching. Oh, she wants me to knit this on a size four. I'm going to a size two. And that almost always works for me. But if I don't swatch, especially given the swatching instructions provided by the designer, in the case of Cleo, Elizabeth's very clear gauge swatch in these two patterns, two separate swatches, which kind of seems like a pain, but it was so (laughs) worth the time. So without having done that, I would have gone through all of the shoulder shaping and worked very far into the pattern before I realized, oh no, I don't like how this works. And that would have been a lot of knitting that I just wasted. A lot of knitting. And that is a great answer to the question, how necessary is swatching? Which is a question I hear all the time working in a yarn store. Customers really want me to tell them it's okay not to swatch. (laughs) They really want that. And aside from me telling them, you'll always learn something from your swatch. There's Gail's story that you just heard that that the yarn may not produce what you're thinking you want your garment or object to look like in your head. And if you start knitting and it doesn't match, you're going to be disappointed. Mm -hmm. So better to knit a tiny little piece and find that out. Try your cables or try your lace, especially something, the more complicated the stitch pattern or, yeah, the more complicated the stitch pattern, it's probably more important to swatch so that you can make sure that you're getting something that you're picturing in your head. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people say swatches lie, and I agree. I, I think too. with... They also tell the truth. They do. They do so, both. <laughs> exactly. So the type of swatching we're talking about for fabric, those swatches don't lie. You're, when you swatch, even a lot of the controversy over swatching is you swatch a little four by four inch square which does not translate to a garment because if you're knitting, for example, in a heavier weight yarn over a garment that has a lot of fabric, it's going to 
pull on the upper stitches. Mm -hmm. Those are going to stretch because they're supporting the weight of the garment. So that little four by four inch swatch is not going to be accurate across across an, an entire, entire garment. garment. So if you held up that swatch to your coat length worsted weight sweater after you had been wearing it for a day, your swatch might match the hem of the garment, mm -hmm. but it may not match the back or it may not match the shoulder or it may not match some point on the garment where there's more stress than another. But that's also the reason why we love knitted fabric because it gives and moves with our body. So there's a trade-off. There's, there is a, a downside to it, but the positive, the flip side, the good thing about it is we love knitted fabric because of the way it stretches and moves with the body. Yep. So even though swatches can lie and they can tell the truth, <laughs> they do give you an idea. You will learn something from them, especially about the fabric you're trying to create with string and needles. But how do you do it? So back to the fundamental question about should I swatch or not swatch? <laughs> well, we obviously think you should. I know a yes. lot of people don't, and I don't always swatch for some things, and I find that I don't like them and pull them out, Yes, which is the shawl collar cardigan that we talked about earlier. Yeah. I did a ton of knitting on that thing and pulled it out because I didn't swatch with all three colors together yeah. and didn't see that the color combination wasn't going to work. So there's another thing. If you're doing color work, swatch, because that yeah. can give you very different effects than what you think it's going to produce. And so, if I'm knitting a hat or a shawl, a lot of times these days I don't swatch because I, I fairly well know my knitting and what needle size that I need to get. So if it's something that doesn't have to mm -hmm. be fitted, a lot of times I'll just jump right in. Same. Exactly the same. But for those of you who are knitting your first garment, especially your own garment that you want to fit, how do you swatch? So often the swatching instructions are going to say they want a specific number of stitches and a specific number of rows in a four by four or four by four inch or 10 by 10 centimeter square. So if you knit just a four by four little swatch, you're not going to get the best and most accurate gauge. So I always recommend that you knit at least a five by five, if not even a little bit bigger. And again, that might not translate across the whole garment, but you can at least accurately measure your swatch. So I recommend doing at least five by five or six by six. Mm -hmm. I usually have a little bit of garter on all four sides mm -hmm. so that you have a, something that will lay flat. One thing I often forget to do, which is extremely important, is to measure your gauge before you wash your swatch. Mm -hmm. So I often forget to do that. And then I'm very too. disappointed when I wash it and think, yeah. darn it, I forgot. Yeah. But... At the Knockers Retreat last year, Elizabeth gave us a whole swatching lesson, and she recommended that before you wash it, you actually take straight pins and you measure with a wooden ruler because a cloth ruler can stretch. Mm -hmm. You met, you put your pins at exactly four inches side to, you know, lengthwise and vertically. Like straight pins, sewing pins. Yeah. So you have a very defined square. And she actually bastes along those lines. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You could also just take a little contrast color yarn 
and just weave it in and out of your stitches to mark your your measured area. Yeah, that four by four, ten yeah. by ten size. And AcreWorks has this great little gauge tool mm-hmm. that actually has these little rubber feet like things that you just grippers put, grippers yeah that yeah. you put right on top of your knitting and it has a little strip vertically for counting your rows and one horizontally for counting your stitches and it's a really great tool and I use that much more often than I do more complicated with pins and stuff although that's not complicated but it's no. easier to plop down that yes. little tool yeah. so you measure it before you wash it it's very important to wash your swatch because knit fabric changes after it gets wet. So depending on the yarn fiber you're using, that varies even more. But wash your swatch, let it dry all the way, not just partially, it's got to be dry, and then measure it again and And see the difference. I have seen some people say to pin your swatch. I am not a pinner. I'm not either. Because I'm, in general, do not... Unless you're trying to stretch something, in general, I don't pin my garments after I wash them. Mm -hmm, So I want my swatch to dry as naturally as the garment will dry. So I'm always afraid that if I pin it, I'm going to be stretching it out Mm -hmm. a little bit. And then it wouldn't give you an accurate gauge. Right. So I never do the pinning. Although if it's lace and you need to open the lace, that would be different. That's That's the exception. That's true. That would be different. But Gail had mentioned the swatches that we made last year as a group. And it was a swatching exercise where all the attendees at our retreat, there were 60, made a, a gauge swatch to the same specifications We all used the same size needle, despite the fact that there were some of us that knew in order to get a specific gauge, we would actually use another needle. But the purpose of this exercise was to have everybody have the same materials and tools to see what the differences were. Yeah, so same yarn, same needle size. We all cast on the same number of stitches. We all did exactly the same swatch. exactly the same and what happened it was amazing (laughs) totally fascinating fascinating i know when we talked about this previously i posted a picture in the show notes so i'll look and see if i can find that photograph and link to it because with the number of people that made the swatch we probably had an equal number of differences in swatches themselves. We had some swatches that were wide and much, much shorter. We had swatches that were exactly the opposite, tall and and narrow, narrow, big stitches, little stitches. uh, So tight knitters or loose knitters. It was fascinating. And it, it was fascinating. It goes to show that every single one of us knits differently. Every single one of us is unique when it comes to knitting. And none of us produce the same fabric. We went and washed those swatches and then we laid them all out outside to dry in a just all next to each other. And everybody who came out there was just in awe. And I think after seeing that, everybody understood why 
we swatch. Why we do it. <laughs> it just, it clarified everything so much for me that now I wouldn't knit a sweater without swatching, I don't I think. Th- I, and I think if you have a group that you regularly knit with, I think this is, and you've never done yeah, this type of try thing. it. This is a fascinating exercise yeah. to go through because I expected there to be differences. Of course, I expected there to be differences, but even I was surprised that they were so unique. I thought maybe there would be some big ones, some small ones, but to see the difference in row gauge was really startling. How some swatches that we all knit the same number of rows, how some ended up so short compared to Mm -hmm. others. That was really surprising. So if you're trying to knit your first garment and you pick the same needle size that is on the pattern with the same yarn that the pattern calls for, don't expect to get the same gauge the designer got. And don't be disappointed in any way if your gauge differs from the designer because your stitching, your knitting is going to be different than the designer's knitting. So... Some of those swatches that day were very loose and floppy, where if I was knitting a garment, I would be really disappointed. Some were really tight, really tight knitters, so that swatch was really dense, which again, if that's different from the garment you're going for, you would be really disappointed. So that's how it defines the fabric you're knitting, in addition to the gauge you're trying to achieve. So keep your goal for swatching in mind when you swatch. Mm -hmm. And if you are trying to get the exact gauge, just don't be disappointed. I remember when I first started knitting, thinking that I was a bad knitter, quote unquote, because I couldn't get gauge. (laughs) Well, that doesn't make you a bad knitter. It just means you knit differently. So it's not a pass or fail test. It's not at all. Yeah. It's just trying to achieve something to get the fit and sweater and garment that you want at the end. So And there is no standard. That's the thing that I am constantly reminding customers because I have many customers who come in and will be talking about gauge. And I say, well, are you generally a looser knitter or a tighter knitter? And I'm constantly amazed at how many people say to me, oh, I I always knit to gauge. (laughs) And my response is often, wow, that's amazing. How do you do that? Do you knit patterns from only one designer? (laughs) How do you get gauge for a dozen different designers? Mm -hmm. Because a dozen different designers, they're going to have the same experience as the general population. If they all knit with the same yarn, those 12 designers are going to have 12 different swatches. So that's amazing to me that you always knit to gauge. Wow. Yep. It's true. (laughs) And I'm thinking as you're saying that, like 12 different designers. So the designers I've knit from most frequently over the last 12 months, for example, Caitlin Hunter, lots of color work going on. I go up a needle size when I do color work. Hmm. I'll knit stockinette in one size, go up a needle size for the color work and go back down for the stockinette because I know that that affects my gauge. When I knit flat versus in the round, I know it's going to be different. Yes, and I often loosen up my gauge after I've been knitting on a project for a while. I'll get 
a little more casual when I pick it Mm -hmm. up and I'm not paying as much attention. And I realize, hey, I'm knitting all of a sudden much looser. So I need to be more mindful when I pick this up or when I knit sleeves in the round, a small circumference, I often knit tighter. So I'll have to go up a needle size. I frequently (laughs) text Charlene before I start a sleeve and say, am I supposed to go up (laughs) or down a needle size for sleeves? I can never remember. But those are things that factor into your overall knitting. Like your mood can have a huge effect on your gauge. So if you're working on a garment, check your gauge over time because it can change. So all these little factors also factor into your gauge. So don't be disappointed if you start your first adult garment and you don't get the right gauge and don't be hard on yourself if your gauge changes and don't be hard on yourself if the first garment you knit isn't perfect. I gave most of my first garments away because they never fit me properly. And don't let us scare you yeah, off. Yeah, it's not. We're supposed, we're trying knitting. to anti-scare you. <laughs> yes, because I could see us, well, it, it could sound very scary. Yeah, all of these things that the swatch can or can't do it, it it can sound very scary if you're investing a lot of time and effort into making a garment as we do so we certainly don't mean to scare anybody off you just be mindful and if you are learning gauge i think it's always wise to pick a garment or object where there is a little bit of give a little bit of leeway in the sizing and in the gauge don't necessarily pick a fitted pullover with bus starts for and learning cables gauge. And, yeah yeah that's a hard yeah the hard not that it's hard to knit cables or anything but for your first garment go easy when, on yourself. when you're when you're learning how to work with gauge and i think that it should be something that we admit to ourselves. Yes, I'm still learning to yeah. work with Gage. Then, I'm still learning and I've been knitting for true. 20 years. Uh, so, me yeah. too. Yeah. So I think that when you're learning that, you have a, you can pick garments that you will be able to be more successful at than other garments. Yeah, like a cloud, good one, but it's mm-hmm. a finer yarn, so more stitches. But worsted boxy, if you're into a boxy look, yeah. the worsted boxy is a good choice because... Fit isn't as important and you're working with a thicker yarn, so it'll Mm -hmm. go click more quickly. Mm -hmm. But one thing I also want to touch on before we wrap this up is holding two yarns together. Oh, yes. We've had questions about that. Yeah, that's been a hot subject lately because of a, there are a lot of sweaters and hats and other things where you're holding two strands of yarn together. And I knit my Nanilchik Swancho last year with two strands of fingering held doubled instead of using a DK weight. And it worked perfectly for me. And I've used two strands to knit worsted weight hats before, and that worked fine for me as well. I've done that too, right. So the trend with holding either fingering and mohair silk lace together, or for like a cloud, it's lace and silk mohair lace together. The difference there, the silk mohair blend doesn't add a lot of thickness to your stitches, But you kind of want to knit it at a looser gauge so it doesn't become too dense of a fabric. So I think swatching when you're holding two yarns together is even more important because think about this. If you're knitting with a three-ply yarn, you have a very round yarn because Mm -hmm. those three plies all fit together and give you a nice round thing 
to work with, basically. When you're holding two strands together, it's not a perfect round yarn. Correct. It's going to give you, not rectangular, but it's not a More perfectly round. More yeah. circular. So that affects your overall fabric. For the Nanilchik, it worked out perfectly for me, and it still was exactly the result I wanted. So the texture worked, but in some cases it might not. So if you are going to try holding two yarns together, which is a really fun thing to do, especially Mm -hmm. if you're like using up scraps and stuff, it can be awesome. But definitely swatch with it and play with it before you do. To make sure the texture of the fabric is pleasing. Mm -hmm. So for all of you who have been asking those questions, totally give it a try. It, like in the case of my Leica Cloud, the combination of the gray and the cosmic wonder dust phenomenal so you can make a yarn that you're kind of thinking why did i buy that yarn oh i don't know if i like that anymore (laughs) you can make it work it's amazing so it's holding two yarns together has opened my world of knitting even more it's like a painter having tubes of paint and playing with their palette to find colors that you want Mm -hmm. You're an artist and you have your tools and sometimes you need to play to find that look that you want. Yep. So lots of variation you can achieve from different needles, different yarns, different yarn combos, and it's just fun to play. So don't let swatching scare you. Give it a try. (laughs) And we'd love to hear how those first garments go too. I'm always interested in hearing how they go. Absolutely. And that discussion will continue on our... In our Ravelry group. Yeah, and I have a feeling this will lead to more questions about swatching and things like that. So So, there may be a part two. Yes. (laughs) So thank you very much for listening, and we hope you all are enjoying your knitting. Happy knitting, everyone. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. You can find our podcast on iTunes at Yarniacs Podcast. Visit our blog with show notes at yarniacs.com. We have a friendly and engaging Yarniacs podcast Ravelry group. My Ravelry name is Knitter Ninja Shar. Gail's is Gaily Whaley. You can follow us on Twitter at Yarniacs or on Instagram at Yarniac and at Gaily Whaley.